Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have had to go underground and take on secret identities in order to bring you our unfiltered views on our favorite stocks in each week's Value Line Investment Survey. You've seen our faces on TV and our comments in the news, but our bosses would never allow our candid views on the air, so we disguise our voices and they'll never know. We also drink a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we drink a little. That's coming up in the caveats, by the way. Uh, this is the caveat section. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Um, we have a lot of conflicts of interest, or may have. We own these stocks, or may have owned them. Uh, we also may know nothing of what we're talking about, so bear that in mind at all times. And as Byrne just mentioned, we may be drinking even though it's morning, so uh, go figure. Anyway, it could be a different time Just zone. take it as a given. We're out of the country right now. Anyway, we've got a lot of disclosures at www.thevalueguys.com, and there's photos of us there as well if you're interested in that. Hmm. This week, uh, we're looking at the March 28, 2008 edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, which begs the question, uh, why are we doing this on March 31st? Well, We've had some logistics issues. We've had some logistics issues. That was a historic week on Wall Street. But we maintain our commitment to we you, have. the listener. We are. This is right, uh, getting a show up a bit late, but nevertheless. Yeah, we're still committed. Yeah, right. I just I wanted to weigh in here on a couple things. Mm. Last week was a historic week on Wall Street. Evidently, I, we were there, and it seemed like it. It seemed like evidently the Federal Reserve can give money or loan money to whoever needs money just like the military can move into any nation that needs our help. Now the Fed can move into the monetary nation. I think you just have the, uh, uh, the militarization of Wall Street, which is it's about time. That's what I want to say. So thank God they're in helping <laughs> the us militarization. and saving us. Well, listen, you've got to protect the national security. And I, I think I mentioned this well, on this the is, show. This is what Osama was after. Last fall... We had a guy in our office who said that the uh, government took this credit issue as seriously as the military took the safety of nuclear weapons because of what they could do to the financial system. And I think we're just seeing that borne out. They're going to do whatever it takes if they have to loan Bear Stearns money. Now, uh, or J.P. Morgan, Bear Stearns was levered, ladies and gentlemen, 33 to 1. That means they had $300 billion in assets. They had $12 billion in equity. So if someone over there at Bear Stearns made a 5% mistake and $15 billion of those uh, assets were not uh, fully, you know, fairly valued at the price they paid, then whoops, there goes the equity. I think that's basically what happened, and the government here has had to uh, promise J.P. Morgan that they won't take more than $29 billion in losses, and J.P. Morgan buys a stock that was $60, bucks, uh, you know, three months ago for, for 10 bucks. so... They also turned what could have been a big negative if they paid two bucks down from sixty. That sounds terrible, but ten bucks up from two. Now, wow, that's quite <laughs> no, a deal. But that, that creates a little yeah. bit of political heat that has it to be managed does. too. Though. Anyway, I didn't mean to go on and on there, but it was a historic week. The Fed jumped in, thank God. And uh, let's, it was scary. I know people there. A little that, scary. Uh, you know, yeah. have seen you know, a lot of their net worth also, wiped out. Uh, well, less than they thought. I also want to point out that uh, there's a little clue in this. Neither of the value guys work at Bear Stearns uh-huh. anymore. No, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm going to be back at the at back half now. of the show with a couple of real good ideas, I think. Who knows? It's for entertainment. I don't own any of them this week, but I'm going to talk about Embark Corp. 
Rite Aid, which I have talked about before. I looked at Embark because I, I really yeah. like words that end with Q. Well, it's there's not a lot of them. They usually get bought by uh, Hewlett That's why Packard. I looked at it. Exactly. Right. And then there's uh, Aftermarket Technologies, which I don't know much about, but I'll come back after uh, a we few can't, words. We can't from... wait till you share your well, listen, lack of knowledge on the Well, listen, fast forward if you want to just hear that. But anyway, uh, no, you've got some good stuff this I, week. I, I have some... Uh, uh, well, let me introduce you first. Don't oh, just jump uh, okay. in. Right. With a great deal of fanfare, because Vern's hosting the beverage portion of our show today. Vern Value. The logistical champion. Yes, thank you. Okay. <sighs> thank you. My pleasure, Vern. Please, I, go I, ahead. I actually have uh, r- really, uh, these are almost, um, I have, uh, I guess, growth stocks that are priced a lot more like value st- uh, value stocks. Broken growth, in other words. Not, But not, doesn't look like, I mean, these aren't broken About down. About to be broken. Growth. Maybe. So that's, yeah. the, that's the difficult thing. Yeah. Um, I probably have the least conviction about the first one, um, but... It appears to have some significant upside, and it seems to me that it must be the quality name in the industry. I'm talking about Luxottica, symbol L-U-X, down more than a third from the highs of last year, under $25. Now, estimates have been coming down. They just, um, they've got some issues with uh, exposure to the overall economy in the U.S. Uh, They have a recent large acquisition, you know, that, that has a, those, that's the kind of thing that in a weakening economy can suddenly take away a little bit of earnings that you weren't planning on. So maybe they're not going to earn the dollar sixty-five that uh, uh, Value Line recently lowered their estimate to for two thousand eight. But um, at that number, I, I guess about a fifteen and a half multiple, roughly a market multiple. Maybe the multiple seventeen. Maybe it's really effectively trading at a ten percent premium um, after this one third fall. Uh, but this is a uh, stock that historically, until currently, has, uh, well, really over the last 10 years, value line showing history, average annual P.E. north of 20 every year except 2003. Isn't this about to get crushed, though? I wonder why. I, you know, is it the general economy? People aren't going to buy yes. eyeglasses? Yes. I think this is affordable luxury. I think this is more of a uh, necessary fashion accessory than it was when uh, we were younger. Uh, and I think there's probably um, a greater resistance uh, on the downside than is being uh, being expected. The other thing that I like is that uh, I probably start picking up significant accretion on this Oakley acquisition more in 2009, 2010, when I might be apt to need it more because of the downturn in the U.S., which accounts for two-thirds of sales in North America because this company owns LensCrafters, Pearl Vision, and the Sears Optical Business, and that's what you're talking about being hit, hurt by the economy, right? Well, just the uh, the, uh, the expense of high-end glasses, I think people might trade down. But that's well, a short-term event. Yeah, so. that's I, I figure that get that takes 12 months to probably more why the or less stock's wash down itself now. out. Yeah, the stock's down because it was very expensive heading into a consumer-led recession. But if I'm looking for ideas that uh, would be early turners on the way out, this is an affordable luxury, the kind of thing that as people start to feel a little bit better on the other side, might be a little more interested in owning. Maybe I'm a little bit early, but uh, as I calculate it... Uh, the, the the balance sheet here is 39% debt to cap despite this $2 billion acquisition. So they were perhaps a bit under leveraged before. Now about 39% debt to cap. I get about a nine times multiple of EBITDA um, for a company that really has a 
the lion's share of the mass optical retail products market in the United States? Is that a fair statement? I don't know. I don't um, know. Uh, I, what, they, it, what are the brands they own? They own LensCrafters and Pearl Vision, and I think of those as the two largest players what about in the, the fashion side do they mention oh they name? own ray-ban ray-ban and okay. they they are licensees for chanel bulgari uh ralph Lauren, and tiffany there you go. and in the value line uh, discussion it says they picked up burberry and chanel as well so they're a luxury brand guy who's just crushed because of the uh, economy right, right but they've uh, they've also it? consolidated almost the you know, most of the mass market channels in the United States, they own tremendous market share, I think, at this point in, you know, average to premium uh, I have a question, yeah. Bert, if I may. Mm-hmm. What percent of, of their revenue yes. is the vision testing business? I don't the lens know. Crafters? I what don't does Value Line have, have to any say idea. They have nothing to say about it. Value Line. I have no idea. Come on. No clue. Help us out. The so. company is going to do $8 billion in revenue this year. I don't know if that's... Six billion through stores or three billion through that stores. That is information we need to have. What does it say about? That's why the, all uh, the caveats at the beginning of the well, show. Does it say how many stores? No, they it have? doesn't even say how many stores. Or I'm sorry, yes, it does. Fifty five hundred company owned, franchised, or leased locations. No indication of what the mix is of that either. All right, let's say each store does a billion. A million. A That's million. five billion. What's the market cap? Uh, Eleven billion. 11. So okay, my rough Val's rough guess. Mm. The store is forty percent retail, the stores, the vision stuff, and sixty percent high end brand so- sold through those same stores. Right. Yeah. Uh, and now with Oakley, I don't. Problems. You know, Ray Ban has it been able to work its way into uh, high end um, resort wear and outdoor clothing and ski shop kind of channels. I'm not so sure, but with Oakley, it certainly will. So it um, looks to me like a good time to take a look at LUX. Value Line's got estimated annual total return. This is the little box right underneath their ratings. Yeah. Uh, estimated between 11 and 24% over the next, uh, you know, basically five years. So what's not to like about that if they're right? Anyway, Luxottica, LUX. Luxottica. All right. Great. Now, I've got a – I'm going to return to an automotive growth uh, stock that I've talked about in the past – I don't recall when we uh, when we would have done this. Uh, probably uh, at higher price levels than where we are at today. But you know, this is definitely one of those situations where it just makes me like it better. Uh, Auto leave, ALV, recently trading around fifty bucks, less than half of revenue, uh, with a moderately leveraged balance sheet, thirty one percent debt to cap. Not unusual. For, I mean, a lot of automotive parts suppliers be are that way. That's yeah, or even higher. Sheet. That's a good balance sheet in this industry. Trading under 11 times earnings, about a 30% discount to market, down 20% from highs last year, yielding over 3%. Yeah, Value Line's looking for, I mean, really almost extraordinarily steady growth through 07, 08, 09 with completely flat operating margins. No indication, and, and really margins have been flat to up over the last four or five years. So no indication that their exposure in the U.S. is is having or is likely to have any significant negative impact on profitability. Um, North America is 28% of sales for this manufacturer of occupant safety restraint systems. Basically, they make uh, they're the market share leader in airbags and seatbelt systems for passenger cars primarily, but I think ultimately uh, commercial vehicles as well. But that would be a smaller market. According to Value Line, Ford is 20% of sales in 06. I have a question. Renault, Nissan, 12%. Do you know when they sell product to yeah. Ford, let's say, mm-hmm. 
do they book that at the time that Ford is selling the car, or do they is it a year ahead, or is it six weeks ahead? How far in advance? In other words, when does the consumer slowdown in auto sales affect a company like Auto? They, May they I ask, please. They recognize the um, they recognize the revenue on their components uh, at the time they ship it to the Ford plant which is going to be typically within two weeks of Ford shipping the product from the, the finished car from the plant. So they're not really okay, selling and this potentially less. Mm-hmm. So they've already seen a significant see. negative impact in the U.S. from inventory yeah. reductions that have been ongoing really, you know, off and on People for the last two years. People just aren't selling into inventory anymore. They're all on top of that. It's all, uh, you know, this is a just-in-time world, and th- this industry in particular um, – you know, had to get very good at handling logistics because, especially early in the adoption of these kinds of products and cars, you're putting a small grenade, in a sense, in a car. Um, and with oh, multiple great. systems, you have multiple multiple small pyrotechnic devices in the vehicle, right? And so uh, there was a you know a, an overemphasis on testing and documentation, great, great et cetera. Burn. So. Um, they're typically well-run businesses, and this is an auto parts supplier with uh, operating margins in the 13 to 14 percent range. Really, I mean, on average for the last 10 years, with little variability, they've returned, they've improved return on capital to the low double-digit levels in the last five years, and fairly steady over that period. A little bit of leverage has lifted return uh, ROE above 15 percent for 08, uh, but you know, return on capital has been running you know nine, ten, eleven percent for the last three years. Um, good under six times, supply. under six times enterprise value to EBITDA multiple, uh, for a company where Value Line says they can grow cash flow and earnings eleven to twelve percent over the next five years or so. Um, Value Line says they are moving workforce to low cost locations where their growth is ramping up in Asia and India. Obviously, early stage content for this kind. Yeah. Okay. And um, they also, you, you know, you, you have to look for it, but it's buried in the next to last paragraph. Rising percentage of U.S. sales from foreign manufacturers. In other words, their reliance on the big, the old big three, Ford, Chrysler, and GM, in that 28% of sales is declining as a percent of sales. I, you know, there's probably some margin upside here. Value Line talks about recent restructuring initiatives and startup costs that uh, expenses associated with both would start to recede. Value Line is looking for 18 to 26% returns. ALV, take a look at it. And since I've been a little no, bit long-winded... Do I, well, I'm going to try to buzz through this one uh, more quickly. This is another. Uh, this is a bit of a. I, you know, it's hard to call this a broken down growth stock because it. I, I don't know that it's ever really been truly a, a growth stock. But GNTX, a lot of growth funds have owned it. I, you know, now more of a GARP idea. I think uh, recently a little under seventeen dollars, uh, but with no debt. And, you know, two to two and a a half dollars of uh, excess cash. So I'm looking at really effectively more like a fourteen and a half dollar stock, not trading at an 18 percent premium to market that value line says, but more like 16 times closer to market. It's down 25 percent from high seen, not just last year, but a couple prior peaks in 03 and 04. I've got a two and a half percent yield again with no debt. Okay, so, you know, not like I'm worried about the dividend here. Does trade still fairly richly on cash flow at about 14 times, but return on capital unlevered, so it's a return on equity as well, 15%, and has been for a long time. This That's is a company good. that makes uh, auto dimming, 
automotive rear view mirrors, 96% of sales, and related products. But what's happening here is you've, you've, you're still relatively early stage in getting this adopted into all cars on a mass market basis, These things even in the developed cheap. world. Yeah. Plus, you've also got all the content that they're starting to put in these. People Are they working people with the love Tata this. company? Uh, you know, I don't know specifically if they are or not. I'm just kidding around, you yeah, know. You're, and they've you're got that. Me. I know no, two thousand dollar car yeah. that they're going to build over there. Yeah, you know, so probably not. Self dimming rear view mirror. I do the. How many of those do people sell use? Well, this company only has six hundred and fifty million of revenue right now. That's oh. up from four hundred five years ago and doubled in about eight years. Okay, all organically. While they 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 battled declining prices as they introduced products and volumes go up, they have to continually innovate. For a period of time, they were losing that battle as margin uh, margin deteriorated from the mid to high 30s. It was a truly novelty product sold only to uh, high-end luxury kind of vehicles to mass market as eroded into the 26, 27 range. But has been sustained now for two years, and Value Line actually looking for a little expansion. So the belief here, based on a, a ramped-up effort on new product flow is providing enough incremental content and enough new product, uh, uh, you know, on new platforms uh, in new geographic markets to allow them to overcome price deterioration. And again, I remind you, re you know, sustain basically flat returns return on capital over that entire period of time. I don't know so about that one. this is uh, it's a little more expensive. This is around ten times enterprise value, but uh, really the high end of the range that we'll look at for anything that you would call a value idea. Uh, but I think ALV probably in the auto world makes a little more sense. And with that, I need to, oh my goodness, turn it directly over to my highly esteemed and uh, long uh, loquacious. Loquacious, thank you. Um, thank you partner, very much, Vern. Val Hughes. All right. Real glass this week, thanks to Vern and his cabin. At the cabin. Uh, you know, we've been getting some email about the cabin and what it's like and all that, and we just don't want to really go into it. Although, for certain people... Uh, if you send us an email, we do have a photo of the cabin that we might make available. Is that fair to say, Vern? The one with us in it? Yeah, of course we're in it. Okay. Of course. Why Absolutely. would we just send a photo of a cabin? Well, I, that would be, I, I think that would be disappointing, and I wouldn't yeah, want to no promise No one would that want that. But if, if it's a picture including us, it like our normal postcards. That's what I'm that saying. We, people okay. can feel the, free. Like the autographed pictures that we send people? Well, some people have gotten those, okay. and, uh, you know, not a lot. A few. And uh, if, you, if, you, Absolutely. if you email us, I'm Let Val us at thevalueguys.com. Vern now Vern also has email, but I'm not sure he looks at it that much, but maybe he does. Vern at thevalueguys.com. When did you last check that uh, I've been okay. traveling a bit recently. Yeah, traveling a bit. All right. Well, let me get right into it, if that's getting right into it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go in order of my lack of knowledge this week, okay? So the first up is Embark Corp EQ. As listeners of the show know, I'm attracted to simplistic ticker symbols, and EQ means things in other, you know, other venues, which I'm attracted to, someone's thinking. But actually, it's an old telephone company trying to be cool, so they come up with something that's cool, and it's like, no, that's from the, the 70s. That's it from the 70s. Cool. Well, anyway, if it's cool for them. Embark Corp Embark, is a, like on a journey together well, I bet, in the I future. I bet they pronounce it Embark. Embarque. That's what I'm going to say. Embark. Embark. Embarquois. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, this is a phone company. Isn't that what Let you me do just... to a tree after you cut it down? It you embark be. it? <laughs> Definitely. Well, Ouch. Uh, here, listen. This is a phone company. Let's get right to it. And what am I attracted to here? 
they have a 7% yield. And I haven't even checked the price. It could be better than that. I don't think Friday was a great day, as I'd like to say. Uh, so it's nine times earnings, 7% yield. The dividend is covered here. They've got 12.85 in cash flow per share. Stock at 40. That's three times. Even earnings per share, which I'm going to be skeptical of. I suspect here that depreciation is much higher than capital spending, and Value Line chooses not to give me a depreciation number or even an operating earnings number for the phone company business. It is a little bit. They give me the debt to cap about eight ways, which I've already got. <laughs> okay, eight ways. But I don't know the operating earnings. But this cash flow, they're three times that. They have uh, 560 in cap spending. I'm going to guess they have about $7 in depreciation. These are phone companies that have 100, 100 years of stuff that they depreciate on a 50-year life. If they just accelerate that like everyone wants them to, they have these enormous depreciation expenses that crush earnings. So an 8.7 PE, I mean, the, I'm guessing that the uh, uh, cash flow multiple here is about 5, and I wish I could figure it out better. They have a net profit margin of 11, so their operating margin, after all this no, bull, bogus depreciation, could be 18%. They probably hide it purposely. Uh, they're super levered, but that's only because they're in a you know, historically... Uh, uh, regulated business. They're putting up a return on capital at 15, 16%. The return on equity here is NMF because it's too high to calculate. <laughs> That's the problem here. What do uh, they use? Infinite now, leverage or something? Well, here's the problem. This stock is down about 40%. I don't own it. I'm going to buy it tomorrow. <laughs> I've just found it, but I have some friends in this business, and this is a this is the phone company in Kansas. Okay. <laughs> Something's going on in Kansas that's bad, too bad anyway. They've got Is an agriculture booming yeah, there? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, maybe got they're a, running out of water. I don't remember which that, it is. <laughs> there's pipelines, and they can attach them to Lake Superior or whatever. That's just okay. coming. They right. do phone service in 18 states. They do the domestic, the, the local, and they do some long distance, and they have issues with, you know, cellular and all that. But these guys are the local phone company uh, to... Uh, 6.5 million subscribers. Now, the market doesn't like the fact that that number's going down at a 6% annual pace. That really annoys the analysts when they're like, holy crap, when's this going to stop happening? Well, here's what's happening. There's a whole bunch of people that had second lines for Internet. They're canceling them because DSL is so cheap. And then there's a lot of people in residential getting cell phones and not bothering to get land-based phones. So that's going to work its way out. All businesses have phones and all, you know, homes when you're over 40 anyway have a landline phone even if you're going to get rid of your second line. So that's going to stabilize. The real opportunity here is that while they do compete with people for cell phone business and they have to partner up, they don't have a cell business uh, themselves, but Ooh. they partner and they can buy. That's no mm. issue. But they also offer DSL, and that's the home run. Right now, they've got 200,000 Internet lines in their territory. They have six, that's all? That's, that's the beauty. They have 6.5 million local subscribers, only 200,000 DSL guys. Those are guys they can slowly get, and their advantage is they have free advertising because they can print stuff on a piece of paper that's in the bill. That's free. That's called mm -hmm. free, incrementally. And these guys have enormous skill at billing. So phone companies are used to billing things by the minute for 50 years. You know, cable companies can't figure out how to bill, like, by the show or the channel. 
and the phone companies have this huge edge in incremental billing on incremental services, so they're going to be able to slowly capture people on television as it comes through your DSL. Anything that goes on the Internet, these guys are going to slowly get. That means they have enormous upside to their Internet business, which is huge incremental profits. They can cover the dividend now, 7% yield. I'm using a lot of time on this name because I want you to go buy it. That's basically why I am. It's 8.7 times Entertainment earnings. Entertainment purposes it's, only. Well, Vern is going to tell you that, and I have to I have agree to act with him. compliance officer Right, compliance here, officer. Okay. Anyway, this thing looks enormously world. great. I've never heard of it before. Embark. EQ, EQ with the sexy symbol. Page 721. Next up, oh, Rite Aid. the page numbers of mine. Because you don't do that, Vern. We all Why know. Why not? I listen. I've been asking myself that for AOV three was on seven eighty, Gentech's on seven eighty four, no and now. Luxottica on eight oh seven. No one's listening about that. ALV seven eighty. Right Aid R A D page seven seven three, and Rad is actually about the opposite of Right Aid. So it's a curious symbol. Hmm. These guys have half or a third of the operating margin of their better competitors, known as Walgreens and CVS. They're putting up a three have point. Have you been in a Right Aid store lately? I have. Yeah. They they earn every bit of that discount. <laughs> no, I know. Here's my theme here. Uh-huh. Healthcare growing as a share of GDP. Hmm. Uh, locations, Rite Aid is the largest drugstore retail chain. That doesn't mean the best, okay? But the largest. They have a lot of great locations. And frankly, their sales level at, uh, you know, $35 a share, the stock is 250 <laughs> That's 10% of sales, ladies and gentlemen. Walgreens, CVS, these guys are at half, 70% of sales. Rite Aid, I think, is just, it's a bunch of locations waiting to get bought, in my opinion. Well, it's priced to be going out of business. Yeah, they're basically. doing a 3% operating margin. Uh, op, you know, Walgreens does 9, CVS does 8, Long does 8. Uh, I think ultimately they're going to be picked apart for their locations, possibly bought out. Um, and that's the value here. How much of it floats? All of it? Well, uh, or is listen. Private equity own a bunch of Officers it? and directors own 13%. Mm. Uh, there's some private equity guys here. Green Equity owns 8 uh, Fidelity owns 10 Oh, so a lot of it's, it's You know, it uh, they have a lot of debt here. So the market yeah. cap is $2 billion, debt $6 billion. Failed ABL. Uh, enterprise value of $8 billion. There, This stock has a lot of history and a lot of issues. I'm interested in the locations, the value per dollar of sales per share, mm-hmm. and the thought that some good operator can buy them, um, meaningfully improve the operating margin. Well, right let's now, see. What are, are you at uh, 5% of sales? Is that what I heard you say? No, no. You're at like 8% of sales? Uh, in terms of the price? Well, so you could... You no, could, you're... Yeah, 8, right. Okay, um, so you could multiply... If, I, if, if, if I'm willing to accept that growing sixfold, how big of a reduction in the store base would that be? I don't know, Vern, um, where you're five going with sixths that. Five sixths of it? We already established you the could value shut down guys most don't of... use calculators, so <laughs> I can't figure that out. You could shut down out. most of Rite Aid and still yeah, be below well, a... a third of these stores might be crap, and they should just be shut down and right. closed. And, exactly. And, and, and you can meaningfully improve the operating the margin. I'm not saying yeah. own this through all of that, but somebody's smart. No, this is like uh, Radio Shack at the bottom. You know, we pegged that one pretty well. We've picked a couple other good ones well, at the bottom. Well, right? this is entertaining. I have no idea what's going to happen. I just know I have health care <laughs> at the back, at the wind at my back. I'm entertained. And uh, these guys have a lot of sales. 
They can improve the margin. Right now, it's nine times enterprise value to EBITDA. That's a good multiple. To a buyer who can improve the margin, that's probably uh, five times. And I think that's sort of the direction you have to go. The stock's down from six to two in the last 12 months, and I think a lot of the negatives here are in that price. So I'd weigh in here, not in a huge way, but uh, I've already talked about Rite Aid. I think it's an important part of a value guy portfolio, mm-hmm. RAD, page R-A-D. 773. It's good call. And finally, we're out of time, which is good because I know nothing about this last one I'm going to do anyway. Aftermarket Technologies, uh, you know, I can see they didn't pay anything for a, a marketing guy to think of a name here. Uh, ATAC, and that's good. Value guys like that. Page 776. Technologies. It's 10 times earnings. That's what I'm attracted to. What do they do? They, they should have, call themselves Renew. They should, Vern, Wouldn't but we're out good? of time. Yes, that's for another show. We're going to focus on whether they should rename themselves Renew next week. R-E-N-U. Yes. Do you have any other kind of new wave, on that? Yeah. Okay. Right, Vern. Let me just go on. I'm sorry. I can't All right, it. two businesses, logistics. Which this is funny to me. Fifty-five percent of revenue is logistics. So it's half a trucking company. It's half of the business, and basically, uh, while spending half their article on the uh, drivetrain business and why it's weak and all that. Basically, I'll summarize: recession. Okay. Then they have logistics. Well, it's remanufactured drivetrains. They're you know they're uh, re- they're well it's uh, after recycling it's right it's recycling big metal it's aftermarket it's used it's a in old play. cars and uh and they basically are selling used refurbished parts into an aftermarket business that which is what they put in your car after cars. you have an auto accident exactly uh and get the thing, here's what i'm attracted did, to six times cash flow 10 times earnings Stable business in downturns, you know, used cars tend to actually be maintained better. People can't afford new cars. They appear to be a low-cost provider. They're putting up an unlevered 13% return on capital, uh, which is pretty good. So and no debt. No debt at all. And the operating margin is mid-teens solid, 14 15% going back forever uh, up to an acquisition, which I think was a mix issue. They used to do low 20s, but they probably bought a guy that sell something uh, at low margin. But this thing looks very stable, pretty cheap. Uh, Value Line has lots of reasons why the drivetrain business is in trouble that amount to, you know, maybe they're going to lose a customer, maybe they're going to not sell into inventory channels. You know, it's all typical reasons why to be negative. They could also, After the I'll stock's point already out, down yeah, it's down already. Maybe they'll get a customer. Maybe they'll get a new product to sell. They look like they have a pretty good footprint. Maybe people will want new right. cars and, and repaired cars. Exactly. And- the logistics business, Value Line says nothing about. I don't know what they do there. They distribute stuff, and it has nothing to say here about what it is. It could be big beanbag chairs for all I know. Well, if they're hauling busted-down transmissions around the country to service big customers allied with the major auto companies, they probably found that they needed to backhaul product and stuff like that, and so they developed a trucking company. It's something in that same niche, obviously. And it it may be, maybe they're handling all of the aftermarket products for some of these guys. Yeah, I think it is something like that, which makes me think it's stable, but I don't know what it is. Any case, I like it. Aftermarket Technologies, ATAC, and let me get right to what my favorite one this week it's going to be Embark Corp. EQ, page 721. And uh, that's all I, I I'll bring week. you back again to ALV. Autoly, the stock is a very high-quality name down uh, recently and now trading at a almost distressed under six times EBITDA valuation with some margin upside. Right, well, I think we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Right? Bye.